I think of that person as being a winner, right, as being a winner. Now, listen, when I was in first, second, third grade, I mean, I know this may be crazy to think about, but I was the most athletic person in the entire grade. My first grade year, second grade, third grade year, I know you can't see that right now, but I was the fastest in short distance. I was the fastest in long distance. I could throw the farthest. I could jump the longest. And so you can guess my favorite day of the year in elementary school was field day. Right? Y'all remember field day? Some of you are like, I have PTSD around it. I don't. It was my favorite day of the year, right? Every, it was a one long extended PE, and I got to do everything that I was, that was not great in school, but I was great athletically, and I was going to come and I was going to dominate. I walked into every race, and people over there like pointing at me saying, he's gonna win the race, and I'm like, yes I am, right? And I did. It was so fun. It was my, it was the greatest three years of my life ever, right? And so, First, second, third grade, man, I was a genius on the field of all sports. And so in that, right, I loved it. And you, if you remember, the trophy that you took home, uh, the trophy you took home from your field days, if you were a winner like me back then, you remember, they were the blue, like those little, those little blue ribbons. And what they say on it said first, and it said winner. And so I took those home, right? I took those in first, second, third grade. I made sure I counted. I had more than anybody else in my grade, first, second, third grade. We don't talk about fourth and fifth grade. Those were some down years for me, right? But first, second, third were outstanding for me. And I would go home, take my blue ribbons that said winner and said first on them, and I'd put them right there, and I'd go to bed at night just looking at them saying, I am a winner. Yes, I am a winner. I still look at them in 12th grade too, right? But it was great. Like, I am, and they're still in our bedroom now. I'm just kidding. But no the idea of being a winner, the idea of someone being first, that's what you think about. They are a winner in life. I was an athletic god, little G at Tritt Elementary, 1980-83. That's how old I am. But when I think about Jesus, it is good and it's right to think about Jesus as being a winner. Literally, when you think about the idea of Jesus equals, Jesus first equals winner. This has to be our takeaway when we think about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, right? That, that was the nature of it. He came through the cross, his death, and through his resurrection, and he conquered death, he conquered hell, he conquered sickness. He literally came to destroy and defeat and to be victorious over all of the works of the enemy that had come into earth at the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, Jesus is the winner. It's the language we see Paul using when speaking of the resurrection of Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55 through 57, where he talks about Jesus being victorious. He says, where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? He says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Only a winner, only the one who is first, only the one who is victorious is capable of giving victory to someone else. I think about the song we sang growing up, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me out and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Oh, victory in Jesus. As we come into this year and think Jesus first, I want you to think about Jesus first, equaling the fact that he is the winner over all of creation, over all of humanity, over all of what's seen and unseen. He is victorious. Listen, 
I'm not just here to spit facts at you. I'm stating truth, what I believe to be an absolute truth about Jesus. And my hope is, is that you engage absolute truth as you think about and process absolute truth about Jesus of being victorious and being a winner and being your Lord. It will begin to shift even how you think about self, how you think about God, and how you think about life. Don't just say, I agree. Say, I agree. Now, Jesus, awaken it in me in ways I've never dreamed possible. What does it mean for you to be victorious victorious in our lives? The second word that comes to mind for me when thinking about being a winner, about being Jesus being first, I think of that person having preeminence. So I think about someone being first. I think Jesus first equals preeminence. Preeminence is the idea of having surpassed all others, being superior in all things. Preeminence, having surpassed all others and being superior in all things. Kind of like I was not field day, first through third grade, I'm just saying, right? I had preeminence. Now, now the reality is Jesus has ultimate preeminence. This idea of having superiority, having supremacy over all things. He is ahead of all others. Paul, when writing his friends in Turkey, describes the nature of Jesus' preeminence, his superiority. I want you to listen to these words from Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. If you're taking notes, write those verses down because this is going to be part of your homework for this week. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. He says this. I'm going to read this slow because I I want you to see the words expressing preeminence of Jesus. Paul says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and all things were created for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the first born from the dead, that in everything, in everything, he might be preeminent, superior above all things. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Depending on, on what translation of, of the Bible that you read, they give titles to this section of Scripture. And the titles themselves speak to this idea of preeminence. The English Standard Version titles it literally the preeminence of Christ. The New American Standard titles it the incomparable Christ. I love that word, the incomparable Christ. The NIV titles it the supremacy of the Son of God. In each of these, it speaks about preeminence. It speaks to superiority. It speaks to being above. It speaks to being the greatest of all. It speaks to what we would use the word Lord as in being over all things. Jesus is Lord, right? Speaking primarily to his preeminence, his superiority of being greater than all other things. So as we come in and speak about Jesus is first, he's a winner. 
He won, and he wins all day. Jesus is preeminent. He is superior. He is greater than. He is Lord, and he is above all. Again, we're asking God, would you awaken that in us? Your homework this week, and it's life-giving homework, because I, I want to ask, in the midst of everything else you're doing, would you take time this week and just meditate on Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. When I say go meditate on something, what I mean is this, that you read slowly and you take one simple verse, like one simple like sentence, you read it and then you stop and you focus on the word. You ask God to, as you focus, to awaken the truth to you in a way that changes your heart and your mind in the way that you view God, the way that you view self, and the way that you view the world. And so if you were to do that. So let's look at the first one. You can put it back up on the screen for me, Josh. Verse 15, it says, he is the image, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. As you begin to meditate, God, just awaken. What does it mean to be the image of the invisible God? The image literally being, meaning that you are God but you have a face, you have skin, you are a human being. We could see you when you were here. You were God with skin on. What does that mean? Superior, right? Having superiority. The idea the firstborn of all creation, don't worry, Jesus wasn't born. But what it's saying is the metaphor saying above, before all things ever existed, he was. What does that mean? The idea, like, have you ever remember when you were like, Eight, six, seven, eight, nine years old, and you tried to comprehend how big God was, and you started asking your parents questions like, well, when was God born? And where did he come from, right? Those are some of the most profound and great questions we could ever ask, because it speaks again to his superiority. And Paul just comes and lays that out for us so that we can see it, to awaken us to it. Jesus is first. He is winner. He has preeminence. The third word that came to mind, and there are other words, obviously, but this is the third word that came to mind when I was thinking about, about Jesus being first, is Jesus first equals priority. Jesus first equals priority. If someone is first in your life, then it's simple. That means they have priority in your life. It means they are the most important person in your life, and as such, they are supposed to get the most of your time, and they're to get the best of your time. Priority speaks to most of your time and the best of your time. People come to us all the time and, and ask us what it was like having children as being pastors and therefore having PKs. Sarah's here this morning. Welcome, Sarah. She's a pastor's kid, right? She's a pastor's kid, and, 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 and for the most listen, she's a good kid, she still loves the church, right? She, she still loves Jesus. And a lot of you know there are lots of stories around PKs who don't love Jesus. And they got burned out by the church. And the church is a cuss word for them, right? And they just don't like it very much at all. And they say, how did you do this? How did you raise up kids? And we first go, well, let me just kind of lean into the grace of Jesus. It's not about us, right? But in partnership with Jesus, there are lots of things that we did. But one of the first things that we've done, we did with our kids very early on is we we laid out our priorities, and to the best of our ability, we expressed those, right? And so we started out looking at Sarah, because she's here this morning. I said, Sarah, we didn't have this little conversation, but it have been like this. It's like, Jesus is our priority. 
family is our second priority. So one another and then you as our child. Third and fourth somewhere would be like church and friendships that we're in, relationships that we're in with people because those overlap so much, right? And so in our lives, our girls knew that they were our priority second to Jesus. And so we fleshed that out to the best of our abilities. Let me just say this very clearly. If you are in the hospital and Sarah's in the hospital, I'm not going to come spend time with you. She's more important than you. And that's okay with you, I think. Now, I'm going to check on you. I'm going to make sure someone's with you. I'm going to text. I'm going to make sure I'm praying for you. But my time and my energy are going to go towards her because she is my priority. And I'm going to pray that somebody else is going to be with you. And I know they will be. I'll make sure it happens. I'll make sure you're taken care of. But I'm going to primarily prioritizing take care of Sarah. Some of you have been with me when I am literally in a, maybe in a meeting with you or having maybe an intense conversation, and Sarah or AK will call, and what do I do? Nine out of ten times, I stop the conversation I'm in. I stop the meeting that I'm in. I said, hold on a second. Anna Catherine, Sarah's calling. Give me 30 seconds. I'll let them know we're meeting, right? Hey, what's going on, babe? Whatever it is. Nine out of ten times. Hey, I'm in a meeting. Is it emergency, or can I give you a call back in a little bit? Most of the time, it's just going like, to call me back later, right? Because they're my, and I go, all right, just kick back in, right? Because I want everyone to know, and I want them to know they're my priority, and any time they can call, and I will answer. That's the nature of priority. They get the most of my time and the best of my time, right? How many of you, listen, this is the beauty, priorities. Priorities are reflected in how we spend our time. Where we give our time and our energies, not what we say with our mouth. Priorities are not mouth-oriented in what we say, but they are heart and time-related. This is incredibly important. You can, I can look at real and say, you're my priority, but I spent more time looking at Georgia football and bass fishing this week than I've ever spent talking to her, and my priorities are very clear. Georgia football and bass fishing, they're like, like a 1B, but she's 1A. I'm just kidding, right? No, there's this whole idea. Like, you know what I'm getting at? Priorities. Time and energy and what I'm giving to it. Priorities. Listen, I can tell my kids they are my, I can tell the kids that they're my priority, but if I'm not giving them time, they know the truth. Do you know the truth? And I want you to recognize when we talk about Jesus first equals priority, Jesus is no different. Jesus is to be first, our greatest priority, the one who's supposed to get the best of our time and energy, and not just get your lip service or my lip service. It's about time, about giving of myself. The language of Jesus first, when Jesus is talking about the life that we're called to live, is expressed in two different ways in the same chapter of Matthew, chapter 6. This is in the Beatitudes. Some of them, probably the two, you could argue and say they are the two, two of the most important chapters, chapter 14, 4, 5, and 6, right? The Beatitudes are powerful. But Jesus says this in verse 24. Again, this is not rocket science. Don't overthink this. It's very, very direct. That's why I love his teaching, the Beatitudes. It says, no one can serve two masters, right? Like no one can serve two masters. No one can have two massive number one priorities, right? No one can have two masters. 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. But here, Jesus is talking about our priorities. Money just happens to be the one that he is focusing on here. This is the one he's focusing on right here. The reality is this. There are different things for each of us that we may prioritize in our lives, right? Those things get the best of our time and our our energy, and Jesus makes it clear. There is, as I look at our relationship together, when Jesus is looking at your relationship with him, he's looking at our relationship, right? He says there is a pecking order. There is a pecking order of priorities of one, two, and three. And I am to be your priority. And he would say back to you because you are my priority. That's the beauty of it. The people, his people, his church are his priority. God literally, listen, God the Father literally sent his son to die a horrendous death because we are a priority. And so in this, we are to fight to choose Jesus. We are to prioritize him. The second verse is verse 9, excuse me, is 9 verses below verse 33 of chapter 6 of Matthew. When Jesus, when talking about our daily needs and wants, he says this. He says this, all on the screen. This is familiar language. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The priority of our time and energy is Jesus. Yes, they are in this moment, they are to work hard to provide for necessities of life. Yes, when they are lacking necessities like many of them were in this story, it's understandable that they would be aware of it. It's understandable that they would long for it. They would become something that's important to them. But Jesus is making it clear, seek me first as your priority. If so, everything else will be provided to you. If there's something else that you meditate on and you take before the Lord and maybe you even wrestle with with the Lord and thinking about your life is this. So, Jesus, you're telling me if I make you my priority, if I make seeking you the number one thing of my life and I give myself to pursuing your kingdom and I will work hard just to provide and have a and have a job You're faithful to provide for every single one of the necessities, so never have to be anxious about them. And God say, absolutely, that's what I said. How many things do we, listen, when we think about priorities in life, we give ourselves to lots of things because in all honesty, your primary priority in life is your personal satisfaction. That's really what it boils down to. You do fun things because they satisfy you. You give yourself to money because if you have enough, it will satisfy you. Personal gratification and satisfaction are ultimately what the the number one priority that we wrestle with outside of God. And what he's saying is, if you will seek me first in my kingdom, what I promise is I will gratify and satisfy you to the very depth of your longing. Give yourself to relationship. Give yourself to to me. Seek me first as your priority, right? And everything else will be provided. As we begin the year, ask yourself if Jesus is first in all the ways we discussed this morning. Dating relationships, school, 
whether in your marriage, in the context with your children. I mean, how many of you honestly wrestle between your children being priority over God if you're honest with your time and energy that you spend in your life? I'm just saying, right? I'm not saying in the context that, you know, I'm getting at like mental energy pursued, like going with Jesus even with your children as you're loving on them and caring for them. You're doing it all with Jesus in mind, him being your priority. Is Jesus truly Lord of your life? Are you fighting every day to pursue him as your greatest priority? Is he truly the winner in your life? Is he truly the winner in your life? Does he have preeminence over every area of your life that he is superior and above all things in your life and is choosing him every day your greatest priority? This is what we're talking about, Jesus first. This is what we're giving ourselves here to now on January 8th of 2023, saying, Jesus, I'm going to be honest. I'm not exactly sure where I am of you being a priority and having preeminence and being a winner in my life. But God, I recognize the conviction of this. Holy Spirit, would you awake? this conviction. I literally prayed this week, God, would you awaken the conviction of Jesus in my heart and mind more deeply and more in depth and more richly than you ever have in your entire life. God, convict me of truth and of righteousness. I want to walk in it this year like I never have. I invite you to that same prayer. But listen, it begins with you just with a high discipline of self-awareness, Right? A discipline of self-awareness. How aware are you of the priorities that self is going after? Or have you just kind of grown cold to that voice and you're just going after the things you feel like you want to go after? Listen, this week I had a moment I haven't had in, in 30 years, 31 years. I'm 49 years old now. 31 years. I was driving down Cedar Crest Road coming towards Vintage, right? I almost got that little church on the right that has the tombstones out next to it. And all of a sudden, my car died. And I looked down and realized I was 100% out of gas. It's been 31 years since I've run out of gas, guys. I can tell you where I was when it happened. I ran out of gas. And I'm like 45 miles per hour. I was speeding. I was 45 miles per hour right there on Cedar Crest Road coming this direction, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, right? And it goes a little slight incline. You never realize how steep an incline is so you have no gas in your car, right? And I got like this, going just barely up. I'm like slowing down, like 45 to 40, 35. To 30. I'm looking at somebody behind me, and I'm, there's people way in front of me, and there's people who are coming, but they're like way off in the distance. And I have that moment, right? I have that just that like split on decision: do I turn off right here into the into the into the cemetery, or do I try to make it that left turn? That left turn, you know, where there's right behind Moe's, right behind AutoZone, right there, right, and behind Arby's. And so I'm like, uh, and I'm like, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it. So I get to that, and I, there's no one coming. Praise God by His grace. He loves me, right? I'm a winner, right? And so I make that left turn, and there's a slight decline, and I start picking back up speed, and I'm like, oh, this is God. This is so good. Jesus, right? He's like blowing my car from behind. It's so good, right? No, it's like I'm going down the hill. It's called gravity. So anyway, then it goes back uphill a little bit, just like this, right? It goes back uphill just a little bit, and I'm like, I think I'm going to make it. So I like turn in. I'm like, I'm going to make it, and I turn in, and I turn right, perfect parking job, right into the auto zone parking lot, right? I was like, oh, my God, I cannot. Now, you know how it is. Like, you're laughing at yourself. You're frustrated yourself. You're a little bit embarrassed, right? Definitely not going to tell Randall that happened, right? This is like one of those moments, right? And, so, and I'm like, ah. Oh. Now, here's the thing about it. I was aware. I knew that I needed gas in my car. I had just done, I had just done breakfast with Dwayne Still over there, right, whatever. Where, where was, where were we? Salt and pepper, thank you. Salt and pepper wheel, there's right there. 
Go to Salt and Pepper. Here's your cook right here. He's the man. Super good. So anyway, go to Salt and Pepper. <clears throat> we leave. Have great, great breakfast. Dwayne totally like challenged me and everything in life. I'm a better Christian now because of it. I leave, and I'm telling myself, oh, I'm running late to my next meeting. I know I desperately need gas. I'm sure I'll be okay. I'm sure I will be okay. I'm literally thinking to myself, I've got time. I've got time. I'll get time and I'll make it. And the reality in my life, and the lesson was clear, is that it, for me, like fuel in my truck had to come first, right? I had to be aware that I was running out of gas and be aware that I kept telling myself, you have time, you'll make it. And I did make it until I didn't, right? I made it until I didn't, and I didn't know when that moment was coming. And I think that's the point that we're getting at this morning. Jesus is our fuel. He must be first in our lives. We have to be aware of where our heart and our mind and soul is in choosing him and pursue him. And the idea of your life, you might say, Steve, I've got time. I'll get to that. I'll change my life. And you may be fine until you're not. That's the point as we come in to Jesus first. You're fine until you're not, until you find yourself cold, distant, disinterested, distracted. You're lured away by a very real enemy, and all of a sudden your life has no purpose and no meaning. I ran out of gas, but we not putting Jesus first. We grow cold, we grow distant, just coasting through life, hoping that we'll make it with no power, no spiritual energy, and no spiritual fervor. You want a life of fervor, passion, and energy. Jesus say, choose me first. Give yourself to me. I am the winner, and I am preeminent, and I am priority, and I will satisfy. The need today, put Jesus first, is familiar scripture. I think it's on the screen. Revelation, John speaking, about, writing on behalf of Jesus. Revelation 2, 4 through 5 says, maybe I didn't put it on there, but it says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. You've lost your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Like I look at those words. You have forsaken the, first, the love you had at first. You have forsaken Jesus as being priority. You have turned away from that. You've given yourself other places. You have other lovers. You have other masters in your life. Be self-aware and recognize how far you've fallen you're off the horse, you're riding and boom, you got knocked off because of a lack of priority of Jesus first in your life. But good news, just simply repent, turn and do the things you did at first. Listen, over the next several weeks of Jesus first, we're having conversations and looking at the historical ways that Christians have put Jesus first and they've experienced the riches of his presence. There are acts and, and, and things that we choose in our life, worship being one of those and, and prayer being one of those and, and diving into scripture being one of those and just walking through nature and experiencing the beauty of Jesus and allowing him to overwhelm you in it. All of these pieces, these acts that we give ourselves to, these choices that we make, literally it's as if, and this is the point I want you to hear me say, when we put ourselves in choosing Jesus first and giving ourselves to actions that put ourselves in his presence, it's like this. 
I am so hot. Think about not literally good looking. I mean, hot like I'm outside all day long. I remember being in being in Las Vegas, 115 degrees. I hated every minute of it, right? And all I could think to myself was, if I could just find water, right? I'm living my life. I'm doing my life. I'm just I just need to jump in the water. And Jesus is a river. Jesus is a river that is always flowing. We have these actions that we give ourselves to that always put us into the moving flow of his presence every time we do them. Jesus first. We're saying, God, self-aware, God, I recognize these areas. I've grown cold, distracted, distant, disheartened even. I recognize I don't think about you very often. I don't, listen, a prime, a prime moment is you're not very convicted by the sin that you're choosing. That's how you know that you've not put Jesus first. That's how you, one of the ways you know your distance and your disheartened things that you used to be highly convicted by, you're not highly convicted by. And that is a red flag of, Jesus isn't first. You have another master and it's taking you. So this morning, worship team comes. I just invite you to have an honest conversation with yourself about your life. Level of self-awareness, honest about where Jesus is, is Jesus is first. I encourage you to go back this week and think of Jesus as winner. Think of Jesus as being preeminent. Go do your homework. Go do your homework of looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Allow him to speak into, allow him the idea that nothing, that nothing greater can happen in life than when you look at Jesus and he grows so big, you recognize how small you are and how much you need him, but even more importantly, how much you want to be near him. The more I'm with Jesus, my need turns into want like this. Because he satisfies and he fulfills. Jesus first, 2023. Is that okay? Was it good one, Pat? Pat said he's going to give me a thumbs down or thumbs up in my sermon this morning. All right, good, man. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good and you're faithful and you're kind. I've said it again and again and again this morning. We confess, and I just, I'll just confess for myself, Jesus how easy it is in my life to lose sight of you being my priority. And I know if I struggle, others do too. I'm thankful, Jesus, for your conviction that you don't shame me. You go, wake up. This is true, son. Look at it. Oh, it is. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me, Father. Today, Lord, with self-awareness, awaken us to truth. I do pray, God, that you would awaken us to Jesus first as being a winner, being preeminent, and being priority. I pray that you would we return to the things we did at first when, when our love for you was just blazing like a wildfire. I pray for those, God, who have two masters and are walking in sin. They don't even realize it, maybe. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you would come with your word spoken directly to each person that would divide between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and speak truth that would bring them at least to their figurative knees and they would turn to you. And I thank you, God, that every time a person turns to you, you meet them with the full force of your grace your mercy and your love saying, I've always been here and this has been waiting. 
come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do. We pray this in your name. Amen. Ministry teams, as we come into New Year again, just as a reminder, ministry teams will be available to pray for you. Maybe you're at a place that's saying you need help, maybe you need healing, you need breakthrough, whatever it may be. Let me just say this this morning. I say this, and I feel like people rarely take me up on it, but I believe that those this morning that is an act of faithfulness to the Lord, you need to come to the altar and lay something down this morning that maybe has been a master in your life. Don't wait for somebody else to come forward for the love of God and all that's good and right in him. Would you be the first one to take the step and you be the one that breaks that so that someone else will come forward? You break fear so that fear is then broken for somebody else. And come and allow God to speak and to move. Lay down and just before the Lord, just have a conversation about what type of commitment that you would like his help in fulfilling this year, his grace helping you. Take communion this morning. It's the first thing we've taken it this year. I invite everyone to take communion. Why does it, why do we take communion? Because it always reminds us of the body broken by Jesus and blood poured out that shows that he is a winner. And the beautiful thing is we take it today. We don't just celebrate that he won years ago, but all of a sudden awaken to the truth that he is winning still today and fills us with confidence that he will win tomorrow. He's a winner. You take it and you celebrate Jesus and allow the grace of God to flow in you today. God is moving, y'all. He wants to move even more and we want to let him. So you respond as the Lord leads. I'll praise that in a few minutes.